RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 423 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019. And available for download or streaming on Friday, July 26th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kat. And filling in for Anthony this week is... Legacy Tony. Tony, welcome back to the show. Hi, good to be back. Good to be back. And and I'm glad that uh, I'm not Emeritus Tony or Ancient History Tony. I'll, I'll settle for Legacy. Oh, all right. Good, good. I, I didn't think about Emeritus Tony. I could, we, could, we could distinguish it up a bit. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> it's, it's your show, man. You call me whatever you want. You, show, you call me whatever you want. Well, it's good to have you back. And uh, one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to having you on this episode is to reintroduce you to our audience since you will be at STLV with Jake and me next week. And Henry. And Henry Pomper, that's right. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, should be a good time, as always. And uh, if anybody sees us out there, uh, be sure to say hi. Uh, we'll be at the Roddenberry table, yes? That is truth. All right, so uh, come by and say hi. All right, Kat, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? This week, we trek out Star Trek's presence at San Diego Comic-Con, Discovery, Short Treks, Lower Decks, Picard, all of it. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. And if you haven't thought to, we encourage you to open hailing frequencies and reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Well, before we start the show, we do need to take a moment to thank our patrons, listeners like you who offer a financial contribution from month to month to make sure that we can maintain the quality of the production you've come to expect from week to week. This week, we want to give a shout out to Brian Denham, a new patron who's just joined the ranks this week. Don't forget, captains, that we try to entice you and give you reasons other than making sure that we can produce this show to contribute to Priority One Podcast over at Patreon.com. For instance, at $5 a month, you can join us in a private chat where we discuss all the latest happenings from the Star Trek multiverse. You can bet it was busy this weekend with the launch of the Picard trailer and other news from San Diego Comic-Con. We encourage you to visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one to find out more. Offering a financial contribution may not be possible, and we totally understand. The next best method of supporting the show is by sharing Priority One podcast with your friends. When you start listening to our episodes, please share it. 
Most podcast apps make it easy to share an episode on social media, but you can also just follow us on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Then share, retweet, or repost. Now, Captains, stay tuned to the end of the show because we're going to be talking about what you can expect at Star Trek Las Vegas starting next Tuesday. It's going to be a wild ride, and we have a lot planned. So at the end of the show, in closing, we'll review some of the events happening that we can announce as of the recording of this episode. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. That's it, Captains. San Diego Comic-Con has come and gone. The biggest pop culture convention in the world. World, world. And Star Trek was there in full force. On Saturday, July 20th, Star Trek's creative teams and on-screen talent took over the vaunted Hall H for an hour and a half and gave us a taste of what's to come from our favorite franchise. First to take the stage was the Star Trek Discovery team, including showrunner Michelle Paradise, Star Trek franchise lead Alex Kurtzman, executive producer Heather Caden, series lead Sonequa Martin-Green, and series newcomer David Ajala. Kurtzman started the season three discussion by saying, quote, So there will be lots and lots of huge changes in season three. There will be things you recognize, there will be things you don't recognize. Part of the fun of it is that we get to honor canon but shake it up hugely. We're not erasing anything, so please don't worry about that. It's all still what it was. Kurtzman also discussed Discovery's newest character, Book. Quote, His full name is Cleveland Booker, and he will be a character who isn't exactly what you expect right away. When they get to the other side of the wormhole, they they have big problems. In fact, even getting to find each other may be really difficult because they may not have actually landed in the same place. After announcing the addition of six new short treks, the panel released a one minute and 42 second trailer that featured Anson Mount's Christopher Pike, a fascinating turbo lift ride with number one and Ensign Spock, and Tribbles Galore. Kurtzman explained that there will be three short treks that include Pike, number one, and Spock, two animated featurettes, and a prequel to Star Trek Picard that takes place about 15 years prior to the series start. Finally, Kurtzman teased a possible Pike series by saying, quote, You know, there's obviously been a lot of speculation about whether uh, Pike and Number One and Spock would get their own show. So I guess my question to you guys is, do you want them to get their own show? (laughs) Okay, well, we'll think about it. For a link to a full version of the panel, check out the show notes. So, yeah, there's going to be a Pike show. There's a Pike show coming. I don't know, man. I don't know. It sounds like he's feeding the fire, but I don't know if there's actually going to be a Pike there's show. There's a Pike show. They got them back to do the, the short treks, and they talked about it like this at the Comic-Con. So there's a Pike show. It's in, it's, in, it's in pre-production. They're probably still getting people's contracts and schedules together and stuff like that, but there's a Pike show. I'd be on board with that. So this character, Book, he's not the same character we saw in the no. that one short track, right? Different no. guy. Well, actually, you know, could be because the guy never really gave us, quote, his real name, right? I mean, you know, the the, the episode, the short track, Calypso. Yeah. Anyway, he gave, gave her two different names. Craft. Craft, yeah. It could be him, but I kind of doubt it. He may, they may be from the same planet or organization or something like that, but I don't think he's the same fella. 
And I don't think the timeline quite matches up either, because didn't they, they're going about a thousand years in the future, and wasn't the ship there for 1,200 years or something? Right, 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 right. But who knows? Who knows? They can just, like, fix it in post. Just, eh, wish it together somehow. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Other than that, there really wasn't much that they offered in terms of what's coming in season three. This was, honestly, I think that they gave little tidbits of information during these panels leading up to the grand Picard panel. So there wasn't really much to take away from this, at least for me, there wasn't. Other than them doing short treks, the short treks was actually the big one, the big takeaway for me. For instance, that they're doing a prequel short trek for the Picard series. Something to fill the gap between Nemesis and where we pick up in Star Trek Picard. And I find it interesting that the only the, the three live action ones, aside from the Picard one, are all going to be Spock and number one and Pike. So, I mean, that's another indication to me. Like, they're putting those resources into making the short treks of those guys. So that's going to be a dry run for, let's see what the series looks like. Let's get the character chemistry fixed up. Let's keep the sets built or keep them someplace handy and used. So, I mean, I think all those are indications that they're pretty heavy into pre-production on that show. I also find it interesting that they're going to do animated featurettes, which means I guess the next story is going to be about the animated show, but they're gearing that up as well. So I think that all these things are, they're trying to get the Star Trek machine running, and that was their plan for all access at the beginning. And so hopefully this is, you know, stage two of making that happen. Next to hit the stage was a team from Star Trek's upcoming animated comedy, Star Trek Lower Decks. During the panel, moderated by series regular Jerry O'Connell, Mike McMahon described the time frame of the show saying, quote, It takes place in 2380, so it's right after Nemesis, Voyager's back. It's kind of the very, I'm a TNG guy, I really wanted to do it like that. McMahon, with the help of panelists and series stars Tawny Newsom and Jack Quad, described the uptight Ensign Boimler, as the devil-may-care Ensign Mariner saying, quote, Boimler and Mariner are often given the same jobs and go about it in totally different ways. Of the newly graduated medical Ensign Tandy, McMahon says, quote, There's no gross alien illness that she's not just absolutely thrilled to be dealing with. <laughs> McMahon goes on to compare engineering Ensign Rutherford to another famous TNG engineer, quote, Like Geordi LaForge, he's like amazing at engineering stuff. But unlike Jordy LaForge, he does not solve the problems by the end of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, McMahon discusses the California-class USS Cerritos command crew, quote, It was important to me that our ship felt like it was a real operating ship in Starfleet, and that there were characters on the ship, senior officers, who consider it to be their show, even though it's not. For links to the SDCC panel and for a closer look at the art for Lower Deck, check out the show notes. So they didn't show any video or any footage of the actual animated series yet. We All we saw were screen caps and profile images, essentially, of the characters. I was a little disappointed that we didn't see at least a scene or something. I think that that would have been great to have teased a scene of Lower Decks, given that we haven't had an animated Star Trek series since the animated series in, set in the original series era. So I'm cautiously optimistic about this. I don't hate the idea. I think that it could be interesting waters to tell a story about the Lower Decks. I mean, it worked really well in TNG. It didn't work so well in Voyager when Janeway takes her reject crew members on an away team mission. Oh yeah, that episode. Yeah, so it was good. It was interesting. It was, you know, it was fun to learn a little bit more about, you know, the excitement behind the show. And 
McMahon is clearly experienced with animated series. I mean, not only did he write the untold eighth series of TNG, but he also wrote for Rick and Morty. So we know that it's going to be skewed towards adult humor, but obviously they talked about being accessible to a younger audience and introducing Star Trek to a younger audience to help shape a malleable mind to more forward and positive thinking philosophies. Sure, I guess that's one thing cartoons can do, I suppose. <laughs> what struck me, I don't think it was in this bit, but there was another interview that I read, and I think it was McMahon, that he, when he pitched it to Kurtzman, he said, I want to write a show about the guy that takes the yellow cartridge to the back of the replicator so the banana can come out the front. And <laughs> that's what Kurtzman said, let's, let's find you an office. And, you know, I'm not a humongous fan of Kurtzman and some of the judgments he's made, but I think that pitch and that response, I think that's just right. Because, you know, Star Trek's like a real world, right? They've spent 50 years building up the, the environment and the universe and the alien races and how the physics is supposed to work and all that kind of stuff. Having a show about the people that try to make that go, I think that'll be fun. And like you said, it, there's opportunity for molding young minds and so on, but I think there's also a lot of opportunity for people to play with the world and say, well, you thought you knew how Star Trek worked, but here's meet the people that actually have to clean up the holodeck after you know you have a skiing accident. Kat, what do you think? Are you into animation much at all? Do you watch any animated series? Like yeah. Dude. Anything on Netflix or whatnot? Yeah, I love all kinds of animated stuff. I'm really looking forward to Lower Decks, so any new Trek is good Trek. <laughs> I think it's an interesting, you know, perspective looking at it from the Lower Decks. I love those episodes. That episode of Voyager, though, <sighs> the TNG one was really good. Last but certainly not least, the production team and cast of the upcoming Star Trek Picard took the stage and they did not disappoint. During their 40-minute panel, the team discussed the highly anticipated series. Sir Patrick Stewart and Alex Kurtzman reiterated points regarding Stewart's return to the character and the difference in tone between Picard and Discovery, with producer Heather Caden referring to Picard as more lyrical and grounded than Discovery. The cast would not say much about their roles, but most agreed with Alison Pill, who plays Dr. Agnes Gerardi, quote, I think the really interesting thing about this cast as a whole is everybody here is pretty broken in terms of their character in very interesting ways and different to a lot of what we've seen. So there's just a lot of kind of lonely sad sacks. Then Sir Patrick Stewart introduced the series' first full-length trailer, the excitement in Hall H was so high, they had to play it twice. In the two minute and nine second presentation, a conflicted Picard recalls the sacrifice of Commander Data and admits that despite trying, he still does not feel at home, even on the family vineyard. A young woman, Dodge, approaches Picard in need of help and the former Starfleet officer feels drawn to do so. We're introduced to the cast of the series with bits of action, a possible Borg experimentation facility, a Borg cube, and the ominous proclamation that she's the end of all. She's the destroyer. <coughs> Starbuck. <coughs> she's the harbinger. As the action slows, Star Trek Voyager 7 of 9, portrayed by Jerry Ryan, asks Jean-Luc Picard if he's there to save the galaxy. In the final scene, Picard is holding a hand of cards. He looks up and says, I don't want the game to end. And it is revealed that Picard is speaking to Commander Data, who replies, I can see that, Captain. Following the trailer, Jerry Ryan, Brent Spiner, and the next generation's Hugh of Borg, John Del Arco, joined the panel. 
In responding to a question regarding his return to the iconic role of Data, Brent Spiner replied, quote, The possibility of standing next to Patrick on a, on a, a set again was, was just more than I could, could say no to. And, and I had to consider the fans as well. To think that this was going to happen and there was a possibility that I might be there, there was no way I could, I could refuse that. Of course I had to be there. But Stewart and Spiner will not be the only next-gen alum to appear on the upcoming series. Showrunner Michael Shabon said, quote, The joy on Patrick's face on the days when we've had returning cast members, and in particular one whose name came up earlier, but I just want to mention is a part of Star Trek Picard, not only having directed two episodes, but it will be returning along with Marina Sirtis, and that is Jonathan Frakes. All right, okay. So I was actually driving when the trailer hit and I pulled over on the highway. I was on a highway and I pulled over to the shoulder to watch this. That's a legit use of the emergency light. I thought so. I, I thought think. so. So I first enjoyed this trailer on my mobile phone. So bef before we dive too deep, let's go around the table and just kind of give our first impressions. Kat, why don't you go first? More Picard. It looked really good, really interesting. I can't wait. I was really surprised. I'm like, seven? What? Oh my god. So good. May have teared up a little bit. <laughs> Tony, how about you? What did you think of the trailer? It looked, it's a fine trailer. What I got from it, the my first impression was, this is like a really long remake of All Good Things. It's, it's like they took the story structure of All Good Things and like, pulled out some pieces and swapped it out. So I have thoughts. First and foremost, I absolutely loved the trailer. I really did. I had chills. I, it was just one of those moments where I was just kind of awestruck by it because of how much was happening in the trailer and how the unexpected callbacks to TNG and then of course Voyager with Seven of Nine, Jerry Ryan reprising her role. I really was not expecting to see Brent Spiner back in makeup and CGI. Let's be real. It wasn't just makeup, it was CGI too. It really took me off guard. It took me by such pleasant surprise. Now, what I did feel, and I don't know if you guys can, can felt this too, was that this played out, this was so unfamiliar, the tone of this show and this this trailer was is such a departure from TNG and Past Trek. No, not Discovery, but certainly Past Trek that has involved these characters that I felt like I was almost watching a fan trailer, like a fan-made trailer. Like somebody who was telling a new story, you know, and, and bringing it up to speed, you know, bringing it up to today's grittier standards. Did anybody else get that feeling? Like it was just... No. I, the production quality, I mean, I think is different, obviously, from the sort of pastel and matte sort of background you got on, on TNG, the 80s and 90s motif. But yeah, it, it looks a lot more modern. But the strong impression I got was this is this is the fan service that people who were looking to Discovery to be more of that were, are, have been waiting for. And the people that stuck around to watch season four of Enterprise were waiting for. There, like you said, there's a lot of callbacks. There's a lot of familiar touchstones. There's, like I said, I think the whole the whole plot to me 
feels a lot like all good things. You know, someone someone approaches Picard, something bad happens to him, nobody believes him, he tries going to the authorities, they shut him out. He goes find a ragtag bunch of scrappy ne'er-do-wells, and he tries to go solve the problem by himself. I mean, there's a lot of the production, and maybe the story and the, the tone might be new, but a lot of stuff is going to come right out of the series. It's going to come right out of the TNG series, and, and I'm glad Jerry Ryan's back too, and I'm glad that she's different. Because that's going to another provide some more contrast, right? You know, this is how things used to be. This is thing, how things are now. So I think all those things together are going to be an interesting thing to watch. And the fact that they've said it's going to be a long movie, a 10-episode movie, so we've got a beginning, a middle, and an end, and they know where the story's going to go, I think that's going to help a lot to help entertain new people and bring in the old people. I want to be clear about something. When I say that it reminded me or reminiscent of a fan trailer, I wasn't saying in, in terms of the quality of the production, but it's kind of like when, when a fan or a really good editor pieces together scenes from different movies that actors have been in to make like some epic trailer that you're like, wow, I would watch that. That's how I felt watching this this trailer. Like, wow, this is this is everything I would love to see Star Trek be. Did anybody did anybody get the feeling of Logan from this trailer? What do you mean? Oh, a little bit. The uh, X-Men uh, movie. The X-Men film, Logan? Oh, I haven't seen that. The, uh, I, no, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Because it's like the final Which, chapter wh- or... Yeah, yeah. combination. I mean, first it's the, you know, it kind of was, it feels like a swan song. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is his last mission to save this girl which was Logan's mission in Logan, right? And yeah. spoiler alert, Xavier dies in that movie because it's intended to be a swan song. It's intended to be the bookend to the story. So I kind of got that feeling of it, that this girl is this unique, special girl that he has to save, and he's going to sacrifice. This is going to be his last sacrifice, you know, to reconcile and be at peace with Data sacrificing himself for him. Yeah, it would not surprise me if that scene with him playing the poker is at the end of the series, not at the beginning where Picard's visiting his old buddy. You know, because we get the the scene in the trailer of him looking at data parts in a drawer, right? I mean, that's probably where the series begins. I thought that was before, though, in the drawer. Yeah, so interestingly enough... Now we get metaphysical. Now we get metaphysical. (laughs) No, 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 no. Because so interestingly enough that you mention the parts in the drawer of a particular android, I think that Brent Spiner might have slipped something he wasn't supposed to in an interview with TV Line where they're talking about data he says that the parts in the drawer are not data but in fact b4 yeah but i mean remember you know data gets incinerated or whatever from the blow up of the ship but he's got the the conscious chips or whatever go into b4 and then he at the end of nemesis he's humming the song data was singing earlier so the question is how much of that stuck right how much of that transfer stuck and so how much of data is in b4 and whatever so we get the we get the drawer full of data slash b4 parts in one part of the trailer and then at the end of the trailer we get them talking about you know picard not wanting the game to end so it would not surprise me if the if we're talking about him coming to terms with data sacrifice as sort of a recurring theme throughout the series and at the end of the series he says that he has a come to data moment in a holodeck or something and has to process the idea that look, you, you might someone's going to have to bite the bullet. That someone might be you, Jean Luc, um, just like I did back on the Romulan ship. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that was sort of like the book ending, you know, the book end of the series. Because in the middle of that, we're going to have him dealing with Borg stuff. We're going to have him dealing with Romulan stuff. We're going to have him dealing with all kinds of stuff. But 
that would be a good bookend. Now, it would seem that they are, in fact, honoring the Countdown series comics. So if you haven't already read them, I strongly advise that you do. And if you haven't read them in a while, maybe reread them. I, I'll probably reread them on the plane to STLV because leading up to the events of the Hobus Supernova, the Romulans were already experimenting with Borg technology. Then, post-Hobus incident, they go full force. The Narada, Nero's ship, is actually complete, is a mining ship that was re-outfitted with Borg technology. It's why it's got the, those tendrils and those, those spikes coming out of them. If on set, when you rewatch the movie, you see some Borg technology in the cargo bay. It's not clear, it's green, but according to the comics, it's actually Borg tech. It's not addressed in the movie, so is it canon, question mark. But as per the Countdown comics, the Romulans are in fact experimenting with Borg technology. Now, going back to the data thing, and again, this is all speculation. I think that the character Dodge, right, the girl that goes to him, I think that's a, a duck blind. Is that the phrase that I'm, I'm thinking of? I that think that's lol. No. Yep. No. I think that she is in fact they're doing they're doing a they're doing a a con thing with us again, right? Where it was it wasn't Ben you know, it wasn't they weren't saying yeah, it was con, they were naming him yeah. Benedict John Harrison. something something. Yeah. yeah, John Harrison. I think that they're doing that again with this story. And that Lol is back or was captured. They were doing experiments on her and he's going to sacrifice himself for Data's daughter. Ah, uh, no. No, 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 no. I don't, no. I don't know, no, man. No. I heard the speculation that she was like the reincarnation or somehow the Borg Queen, uh, somehow. Yeah. I like that theory better than Lol. I mean, I, uh, honestly, I mean, she, she's somehow connected to some sort of Borg thing. She's probably connected to the Romula and just, you know, destruction of Romulus somehow. Because those are the two big sort of unresolved pieces of the Picard story that we're aware of, right? I mean, his assimilation and how he came back from that, and then the the events of First Contact and all that kind of stuff. And then there's, and, and not to mention, we know that Q is back, so Picard's sort of missed opportunity to wipe out the Borg forever, right? So he almost destroyed Earth as Locutus, and he had a chance to destroy the Borg as uh, after he got put back at, at Commander of the Enterprise and didn't take the shot. And so kind of everything that happened after that is kind of Picard's fault, right? All the bad things that happened with the Borg, you know, he had a chance to stop all that and didn't. So, I mean, th that that's one big unresolved thing. And if they have some sort of connection, if the Hobus destruction somehow connected to the Borg, now the fall of Romulus is on his conscience too. So, you know, if he, if he didn't, if he didn't pull the, tr because he didn't pull the trigger, the computer virus or whatever it was that could have wiped out the Borg. So you hook those two things together, I think that's that's enough. And I think some combination of Romulan-Borg thing is what's going on with that girl because she'll be the embodiment of these two missed opportunities or, or you know, uh, the things that he has bears indirect responsibility for. Lol. Jamal in the chat says she's a human-Borg hybrid. She's like a Cylon, like a, what, the Cylon baby. Mm. I, I'll go with that except Romulan-Borg hybrid. I'll, <laughs> I'll go with that. But that's But I think that's – and that – that's also why the guy on the floor thinks that she's a destroyer, right? You know, some, he's got the Romulan ears and the, and the Vulcan eyebrows, so he's probably like, dude, she's going to, you know, her and her kind are going to wipe us out. Which would then also give them the chance to do some political commentary about refugees and immigrants and stuff. So there you go. 
So there's the social political hook there. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope that they address that. There is obviously some animus between the Federation and Romulus. So how does the Federation treat the Romulan refugees? Yes. And here's my next question. I'm going to blow your mind on this one. Do we know for sure that he's in France in that vineyard? I don't know. I I don't think we do know that for sure. And it would not surprise me if he had moved in with the Romulan refugees. It wouldn't surprise me if, if, you know, he's doing the Ambassador Picard thing on whatever planet a bunch of Romulan refugees got sent to. I think that a lot of people have assumed that he's back at home in France, but that would make it tough for, you know, random weird space people to find him, you know, all the way to the heart of the Federation back to Earth. And it also makes it weird that Seven of Nine comes into him in what appears to be his kitchen or whatever and says, what are you doing out here saving the galaxy? She, w- she wouldn't ask him that if she was visiting him on Earth. So it, it, would, it, it makes a lot of sense to me for them to start Picard out, way out in the fringes. He goes back to ask for help. They tell him no, and then he has to go back out with his team of misfits or whatever to try to confront the challenge or whatever it is that is out there. So, Yeah, the speculation is running rampant. You know, like in our chat right now, the chat's going crazy talking about the Picard trailer. And of course, rightfully so, uh, Jamal writes, she has round ears. She and the other young people in in the red suits were a weapon experiment gone wrong. Mm, maybe. Right? Because they're obviously, the, the Romulans have obviously or seemingly have commandeered a Borg cube and are using it as a lab in some way, right? Because that, that sign that says it has been 5,016 years since. Whatever. 38. 16 years. <laughs> yes, it's been 16 years since an assimilation, there are Borg alcoves in the background. They're just blue. Yep. And our understanding is that the cooperative is blue, right? Isn't the cooperative blue? Right, from Voyager. Yeah, I think you're right. And and blue and then in, and but the Borg are green. So that also has something to say about the color schemes. Yeah, I don't know. And I think, and going back to the first article we did, the 15 years, it's a, they're going to have a short trek that takes place approximately 15 years before. I think we're going to see that. I think, you know, it's been 16 years since there's been an assimilation. Eh, That's pretty close. I think they're going to show us that. I think they're going to show us what went wrong at that facility that caused them to put that sign up. So I think that we're going to see that. So I really do think that they're going to merge Picard's two big unanswered or unfinished questions. Why did you do what you did with the Borg when you could have had them? You could have taken them out. You could have prevented the first contact movie from happening. Whatever tragedy it was that happened 15 years prior to the show you could have prevented that you know you didn't take the shot when you had it and we're going to bring Hugh of Borg in here too if you had taken the shot he would be dead so and oh and one last thing too in the second episode where Hugh shows up they they said they disconnected his cube he was on a Borg cube and his person individuality infected all the Borgs they disconnected his cube so there's been I think that's gonna that's his cube that's the cube that they shut down and somebody found it and that's why they put the facility out there I think the Romulans probably the ones that found it. So I think that's how they're going to tie Hugh and the Romulans and the missed opportunity with the Borg together and send Picard on his adventure to save the girl. You know what also was pretty comforting is Alex Kurtzman and Michael Chabon were saying how they just, you know, really relied on Patrick Stewart to give them direction and, like, as far as script writing and what he would say, what what Picard would say, and what he would do in that moment, like they really relied on him to give them that input, and that's 
really comforting to me. Of, yeah, I mean, the fact Agreed. that they're paying attention to the actor that originated the role, you know, no, this is not what he would say, mm -hmm. or yes, it is, is very, very comforting for me as a fan of The Next Generation. You know, Next Generation is what I go to sleep to. You know, like that's the one that brings me comfort and, and calms my anxieties before bed. <laughs> exactly. I mean, oh, I watch it all the time. But, um, and, and it gives them a strong direction. Yeah, and they kept saying not just, what's her name, Caden. She she said, she described it as lyrical, but so did Alex Kurtzman, just kept describing it as lyrical. So I feel like there's an emphasis on dialogue maybe in this. But, you know, like, maybe some more Logan, yeah, exactly. Logan was arguably lyrical. I mean, Logan was a beautiful movie. Yeah, it had action, and yeah, it had, but the themes and the story and the arc that both Professor Xavier and Wolverine and Lo you know, Logan experienced in that film was un was operatic, was Shakespearean, was just so beautiful. I think that that's how they nabbed Patrick Stewart with this. He just got off of doing Logan, right? Logan is fresh in his mind and the performance that he did for Logan saying, okay, I can do science fiction and still deliver a dramatic and heart-wrenching performance, right? Whereas before, perhaps he was shy about it. Perhaps he was apprehensive about doing it because he didn't want to just get back in the pajamas. He wanted to make sure that if he was going to return to Star Trek, that it wasn't going to just be a lot of the same late 80s, early 90s. And I think that after coming off of Logan and seeing how dramatic science fiction can actually be, and then of course in the development of the story, I think that's his approach to this. I think this trailer seems so swan songy to me. Yeah. That seems to be the, I would imagine that being fresh off the heels of Logan, it wasn't hard to pitch an idea that played along those similar musical tones. So I'm getting all good things vibe. Elijah's getting Logan vibe. Kat, are you getting any kind of, you know, vibe off of this? You know, you, no. or is there some other movie? Or I TV? mean, now that you're saying all good things, it's starting to like make me think yes. But no, I hadn't had any prejudgments before. I just saw something and I just want to see it. <laughs> just want to watch it. But I, I think the through line between that All Good Things and Logan, if we take those two things and look at them, is that it's a story about one person hooking together bits and pieces of what has come before, right? That's It's Picard and All Good Things hooking together three points in his life that seem disconnected and weird, but they have a through line, and Q is bringing him through that stuff. And, all, of course, all the other characters along for the ride, too. You know, Riker and Worf and all those people, they're, they're along for the ride as well. But it's a story about one guy and how he's reacting to these, trying to make sense of these disconnected points. Logan, it's the same thing. Well, it's Wolverine's story. It's not uh, Xavier's story, but it's Wolverine. He's trying to connect his past of being the hero with his present of being a limo driver and his future of trying to protect this girl. He's trying to connect these three different seemingly unreconcilable points together. And I think we're going to see the same thing. And I, th and I think you're right, Elijah. I think that's the kind of storytelling that Stewart said, I can come back for that. If we're going to follow a guy wrestling with his demons towards what is going to be the end of his life, I, he says, I, I think he was up for that. And I think that's the story right. that we're going to see is him connecting these moments in time where he could have or should have done something better, trying to make up for it at the end with this. Well, they did say the whole serialization of the show was a huge draw because you could really flesh out the character. They didn't want to do episodic 
story about it. Right. So the whole serialization of the whole thing was, you know, important. And also, it's important to note that Patrick Stewart is not 100% opposed to just doing Star Trek. It's not that he was he didn't want to do Star Trek because it was Star Trek. Right. He right. didn't want it. It seems that he it seems from what the interviews and, and his explanation of how he got involved was that he didn't want to do Star Trek again. Mm-hmm. Right. He didn't want to do a rehash of it. But that's not to say that he is not willing to embrace some of the older aesthetics, some of the older storytelling, if it moves the story forward. It was telling to me in the interview with TV Line, where at first he was adamantly opposed of being back in a Starfleet uniform. Adamantly opposed. And yet there was the way the story was being written, they're coming to a point in the story and filming where it's impossible to, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, it was impossible to tell the story without getting back in the uniform. And he was the one who said, we have to put me in the uniform. We have to do it. So he's not averse to getting back into Star Trek. He just doesn't want it to be a lot of the same old, same old. And rightly so, because that's already been done. Why do it again? Right. It was perfect. Season four or not. <laughs> oh, and what about the most important news out of that panel? The dog's name, Denaro. <laughs> I think it's, it's not number it, one. I think it's, well, the dog's actual name is Denaro. Oh, 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 okay, okay. I think it's ironic that they named him Money. I know. <laughs> when in the 21st century, we do, we have no need for money or personal wealth. I think you said the dog's actual name in real life. The actor dog. Yeah. The actor dog's name is Dinero, right? I think yeah. it's one of yeah. the rescue dogs. Oh. Because no? I don't sure. think that's I his that name the in dog's this show. Name in the show. But Sir Patrick oh. did tell us the dog's name. I, I think I think that I, I, what I understood or what I've read is that the dog's name in the show is number one. Like he refers to, come on, come on, number one, let's go. You know, I mean, that's that's what I've understood. That's what I've heard. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard. Well, wait till Riker shows up. <laughs> that, that, again, there's there's opportunities for humor there. Uh, you know, name the dog right, Indiana. He, he, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> who does number one work for? Captain Picard, that's who. <laughs> what was interesting in all of this San Diego Comic-Con coverage was how much attention was being paid to Picard. And I I do feel bad for the other actors in the show because very little was addressed to them. Like people had to focus and actively ask them a question like the interviewers because, you know, the big headline is Sir Patrick Stewart is back as Picard. That's their own fault because they're not letting any details about the characters out. So you don't know what questions yeah, to true. ask them. I mean, that's that's part and parcel with the territory. So can you tell us a bit about your character? Well, I'm a scientist. That's all I could say. And <laughs> that's all I could say. say. Yeah. 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 So it looks like they've taken a break from filming. And even though they're filming in California, in LA, the Hollywood area, they took a break on Saturday to take care of San Diego Comic-Con. And as of Monday, July 22nd, they started filming the last three episodes. So where does that leave the release of Picard? Well, it seems that the marketing verbiage is for 2020, but some sleuthing might suggest late 2019. I mean, you know, if it takes eight months to CGI render a show as per Alex Kurtzman, and they've already got episode one in the can, do you think we're gonna end up waiting until 2020 for Picard? Or do you think that we might see something by the end of 2019? I mean, I would love to see 2019 but i don't think so when's discovery supposed to come back january 2020 i don't even i don't know yeah i don't know either Hmm. 
Hmm. I'm sure they're gonna space it out. Yeah, I, I would. I would expect if January 2020 is target date for Discovery, then I would expect them to wait until that run has finished to let uh, Picard out of the door. It, 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 remember, this whole thing, the entire strategy on this is to make CBS All Access go fast, go very fast. And so they want to have that Star Trek content come out one after another. Probably we'll get the lower decks after the Picard run is done. So, I mean, it, it's, it seems like they're going to be on a release cadence to try to... And they've, they've said, as much as said this, the CBS uh, execs have, we want to have something Star Trek on all the time. And this is the, the ramp up of that production uh, capability to have something going. Because remember, we're also going to see the uh, Section 31 show with Michelle Yeoh. That's somewhere in the works, probably. Uh, they're supposed to be and none of that was mentioned during San Diego Comic Con. Was it? None yeah. of that was mentioned in set. No. Yeah. I, well, maybe it's canned or shelved. Maybe Comic-Con. they're rethinking it and doing like a Pike, maybe refocusing. Their so. maybe, maybe the Pike shows. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the Pike shows taking over for for that. But yeah, th- th- actually, now that you've mentioned that, the, the absence is strange. It was strange they didn't mention anything with that in it. So it might have possibly been uh, uh, been shelved, but. That strategy, that cadence of we have this Star Trek to offer, then we take maybe a couple weeks off. We take a couple weeks off in the middle of the month so nobody cancels their CBS All Access subscription. Then we start at the end of that month with the next run of shows. We have you for 10 weeks on that. We take a little break in the middle, a little mid-season hiatus. You know, it's, 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 all, it's all about stretching that content so you keep on forking over your 10 bucks every month. I feel like it's a while, though. I, I kind of hope that, that there's something coming out by the end of this year. I hope so. I mean, there are... We're now just about halfway through the year. There's still another half of a year left, and that's quite a gap between the end of season two of Discovery and the start of season three. CBS All Access is not yet a Netflix, right? Where no. a year and a half or two can go by between seasons of Stranger Things, and people are still gonna have their Netflix subscription. If they want to keep people subscribed, they should start sooner rather than later. I wonder how, yeah, I wonder how the merger talks are going to impact any of this, if at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if if Paramount comes back in the fold and brings that whole catalog of stuff with them, that'll change the game, too. Because then all of a sudden they have a lot of breathing room and a lot more flexibility, like you're saying Netflix. That catalog will keep people paying their 6 and $10 a month. They don't necessarily need to have a Star Trek show on offer every week in order to keep people attached, basically, to the service. So that that's huge right there. Mm-hmm. So we'll know in August sometime, and then maybe we can watch all the movies again on CBS All Access. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Actually, so this isn't part of our show notes, but Kat, it sounds like you've been reading up about what's been going on with the CBS, because I know it made some headlines recently. Have you... Yeah, you know, read I'm something en- recently? endlessly fascinated by the licensing nightmare that is <laughs> the split. <laughs> you too, huh? Yes. Okay, Elijah, you can you can just take a break. Just take a break. Kat and I are going to yeah, go I off do for about 90 minutes because... on the licensing I mean, I'm an intellectual property lawyer. Of course I'm fascinated by it, but... Um, but yeah, right, so, because it just recently made headlines, right? Yeah, so Again. they are in yeah. discussions. I'm sure it's coming down to money. Um, but if they are all motivated this time, I mean, talks broke down last time over the price of shares. But if everybody's motivated, and yeah, and Moonves, Moonves is out. Yay! I mean, He's out. that guy, ugh. and that guy, ugh, huh. and Sumner Redstone out. Yay! Uh, so. 
yeah, I think we'll hear in the next few weeks, like, what's going to happen with that. I think that is maybe why people aren't really saying when premiere dates are, maybe, possibly. It's just fascinating. It's wise not to mention premiere dates anyway until it's a set in stone. But, yeah, having access to that Paramount catalog, if they can bring that back into the fold, and it makes an awful lot of sense from uh, both an IP standpoint. And I think one article I, meant, I read even said Star Trek is why we're having this discussion. Mm-hmm. Because they see what's happening with Marvel. They see what's happening with Disney. The only flagpole, you know, tentpole franchise that Paramount really has, one they mentioned was Mission Impossible, and the other one, but the main one, Star Trek. Well, Captains, obviously there was a ton of content to analyze and break down from San Diego Comic-Con, including, of course, the trailer to Star Trek Picard. But we still have the Las Vegas Star Trek convention in just a week. So if we haven't said it before, make sure you are following Priority One and all of the Roddenberry Podcast Network shows on social media for updates from the convention happening live. Because there is stuff happening that y'all don't yet know about, and you're going to want to be following. That's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Episode 422's first community question was... Did you find any spoilers, hints, or Easter eggs in the new Star Trek Picard key art or trailer? From Twitter, Jason Smith. What it means for Star Trek Online, new Romulan ship maybe, new voice actors, new dog pet. I'm a fan of the new dog pet, yes. Now, we also asked about your opinions regarding the new Picard trailer. So, here's what you had to say. From Facebook, Simon Corbett, Hyped, Borg 709, B4, all I need now is a million breakdown videos until it comes out. There's nothing like a good frame by frame I know, there will be. Like like a screenshot of the sign that says it's been 5,000 some odd days since the last assimilation. We need that. From Twitter, GoldenForce772 says, My Trek is officially back. No word on his sexy. From Facebook, Arnold Orgando writes, I like what I'm seeing here. This show may be the one that brings me back full-time to the franchise. Episode 422's second community question was, Do you plan on purchasing a Stowe Tribble? If so, which one? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy writes in and says, Not sure I want to spend 35 bucks just to get an in-game Tribble. Thought you got a real Tribble, too, though. Do you? You do. Pl- oh, yeah, well. yeah, I think you get a real well. triple, and oh, I, maybe Sean was saying he just didn't want the real triple. No, you do want a real triple. They're 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 fuzzy. I know. I have a cannibal triple. Mine is awesome. They're, they're fuzzy and soft. Hayden Jones wrote in from Twitter: twenty dollars for a triple. Please review it and convince me it's worth it because I am suspicious. I'm not gonna lie. If I had to choose between twenty dollars for a triple and twenty dollars for a three D printed ship from Gameprint. My money's probably going to go to the 3D printed ship. Is the ship cuddly and soft? No, no, Elijah, it's not. It is not cuddly or soft, sir. I guess. I guess. Sir. That sound was a triple hitting the desk. You know, we didn't get a chance to talk much in Star Trek Online News because, well, there wasn't any. But, you know, it's a good question to ask, and maybe we can just discuss it now in feedback just briefly, is how, you know, th- this whole involvement between the Romulans and, and 
the Borg and Hugh coming back, how could this affect Star Trek Online? Or what of Star Trek Online's story could affect the show or vice versa? You know, like what's that symbiosis? Right, because Hugh is a mission contact. Though, right? If the game affects the show, that would be amazing. It's unlikely, but Hugh is in Star Trek Online. He's a mission contact for the mission Friends in Unlikely Places, and then again, uh, the Jarleth System Patrol. That's right. Interesting. And they did say that they were hoping to bring Picard back for another season, so it's not like they're going to kill off Picard, right? And they may bring, they may keep Hugh alive, so it doesn't necessarily have to screw up the timeline that much. Uh, they didn't say that there, there was people who kept asking, oh, is there a second season? Is there a second season? They, you know, they did the typical... Oh, I don't know. So, well, that's because no one's sure no one's sure they're going to fund another season or and I think this may have more to do with it like we were discussing earlier at the Paramount merger like Cat was saying, if they have that library all of a sudden the pressure to put another season of Picard together is a lot lower so they can take their time negotiating contracts and people won't be as expensive and all that kind of stuff. So, you see for me, I just I kind of wanted to be Picard's swan song because I think that they have an opportunity to end Picard's life much better than they did Kirk. Well, that's a, that's a low bar. <laughs> you know, that is a low bar. Hit, or a low bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a low... You know, hit on the head while going out for his newspaper would be a better ending for Picard than what they give to Kirk. So, I mean... So, I don't know, man. There's a part of me that's like, man, I hope... Th- I kind of want this to just be one long movie of Picard's version of Logan. And he gives him he gives himself up for this for this greater purpose versus yeah I don't know I don't know I don't know I think they're obviously not committing now because they don't right. have anybody have, that has watched the show or seen anything but there's a lot of things that I think it's waiting on like there's a lot of things that are about to happen but as Joey Brooks points out in the chat Captain Data makes a cameo in Star Trek Online at the end of the whole Sela story, right? Remember he walks into uh, Sela. Well, it was unrevealed, sort of. Right, but it was, it was, <laughs> right, 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 right. But it was heavily suggested that it was B4 or Data, Captain Data. Yeah, they may have to scrap that. Well, no, I mean, and there's gaps too, right? I mean, so there's the Hobus thing, and then this is going to be 15 years later, 16 years later, 20 years later even, and 2409 is still a few years after that. I mean, there's there's enough time there for something something to happen, and they resurrect data, right. or I mean, whatever. So it, it doesn't have, there's there's room for them to maneuver still. And I would imagine that given the, the whole point of trying to merge the two companies back together, and uh, uh, create a bunch of TV series is to have a sort of media empire, right? They, I don't think they want to purposely leave Star Trek Online out of it or make them scrap a bunch of their story content. I think they'd want it to at least give a nod to it or for it to be a little consistent so that people coming to the franchise can have a theme park experience. I do a little bit of the TV show, I do some movies, and I go to the video game, and it's all it all makes sense. It all it all it all gloms together. Well, that wraps up episode 423 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, The Trek Files, and daily Star Trek news, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. 
Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com or just open up that app and do a search for Roddenberry. We're now on Pandora. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern. You can find us on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Just keep an eye on our social media channels for details, especially in the coming weeks during Star Trek Las Vegas. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and me and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. Now, before we go, here are our announcements for Star Trek Las Vegas. For starters, on Tuesday at 9 p.m., you'll want to join us at the Masquerade Bar for The Landing Party, featuring Larry Nemechek and several other attendees from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, myself included. I'll be there Tuesday night. Then on Thursday at 6 p.m., we are having a Roddenberry Podcast Network meetup happy hour at the iBar so that you don't need to have a convention ticket to join. Just come into the Rio, join us at the iBar at 6 p.m. on Thursday to chat with your favorite podcasters from Mission Log to Daily Star Trek News to Women at Warp to The Trek Files and to the latest addition to the podcast network, Shabam. Then on Friday at 12 p.m., be sure to join us at the Roddenberry Podcast Network booth at 12 p.m. because we're going to be joined by Rekha Sharma and the team behind Star Trek Online to discuss the latest news from the game and to talk about Rekha reprising her role as Landry. Now, if that wasn't enough, there are several other things that I can't tell you about right now. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Priority One Pod, on Facebook, Priority One Pod, on Instagram at Priority One Pod. Trust us, you're going to want to follow us throughout the convention because we'll be live tweeting, live streaming, you name it. We'll be bringing you the latest news as it happens from the convention. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including William Hardy, Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of this weekly show. To community manager, Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. 
Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Sue, no. Engage. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.